Blog Talk Radio. All right. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Good to be with all of you. Let's get us a songbook out and let's stand together. Let's turn to number 323. 323, standing on the promises of God. 323. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let it praise this reign. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally, my love strong Lord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. I sure am. So I didn't. I don't know what I'd do. I don't know about you, but I, this whole world doesn't give me a whole lot of hope. Amen. I stand on the promises of God that he, he's in charge of me, and he controls the future. Amen. And he know, He has a will, and he's going to accomplish it. And so, and I'm a part of that will, and I'm just going to trust him. Amen. And he's, and he's a blessed Heavenly Father that loves us and takes good care of us, and he knows what's best for us along the way. All right. Prayer requests this morning. I know we've got them. Uh, amen. All right. How's Scott? How's Scott this morning? He's not good this morning. We lifting him up in prayer, asking God to give him a good day and God to give him healing. How about y'all back there? Okay. You said when he's doing? When is he? It's Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay, I got you. Okay. All right. We'll remember y'all in prayer. 
All right. Others this morning? Yes, Miss Charlotte? Okay. Yep. Me too. I got one I'm working on too. So me and you both. Yes, Mom. Mm -hmm. March the 7th. March the 7th. All right. Yeah. We remember that too. Yes. Okay. All right. Remember her too? All right. How many unspoken we have this morning? Bunch of them? All right. Well, anybody else? Anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer? All right. Yes, Charlotte. Praise the faith that Tua, I told you about, uh-huh. but her eye okay. is gone. Gone? Yes. Yeah. But well, she's lost my interest in the test of her eye. Oh, mercy. Well, praise God, the tumor's gone. I, I, I hate Amen. that about her sight. Yeah, pray for Faye Ebbs. He's a lady used to be a member of my church in Paris. Yeah. Pray for her and her husband, Arlie. All right, anybody else? Let's go to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord. Let's take it to him. We can't do nothing until we pray. Let's go, brother. Thanks to the Lord.
Praise God. 241. 241. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt, yonder on Calvary's mount outboard, there where the blood of the Lamb was filled, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon Oh, 
and uh, see what the Lord has for us this morning there in Galatians chapter 5. Again, it's good to be with you this morning, and, and it's good to be with you on a Sunday, not just when we're eating, but it's good to be with you on a Sunday when we're eating. Amen. I enjoy the fellowship meal, and I hope there's plenty back there for you. I'm sure there will be, and I hope you get your fill and enjoy fellowship with other Christians. But right now, let's meet with the Lord. Amen. Let's meet with him. Did you come to meet with God? He came to meet with you. Amen. So let's meet with him today. All right. Let's 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 go ahead and and uh let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer before we even start. Let's just talk to him this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you this morning. <laughs> Lord, I'm grateful to be your child, and I'm grateful, Lord, for all the blessings that I have. I'm thankful, Lord, for this office of the pastor, this church. I don't take it for granted. I'm very grateful. Lord, I pray this morning, you know all the problems that are going on in my heart and mind. You know all the limitations I have and the burdens. And, Father, even though in the middle of all that you're able to take control and you're able to settle me and focus me and direct me to the need of the hour, Lord God, I pray you'd speak to hearts. Lord God, I know I'm not worth much, but, Lord, you've chosen me. And you put your hand on me. So, Lord, I pray you'll use me in spite of me. Lord God, don't let me hinder the message. Please, you pour out what you want to say, and I'll give you me completely. Touch each heart. Lord, I pray everybody in this room, and even under the sound of my voice, would pray a similar prayer. Lord, I'm yours. Do with me what you will. Speak to me and say what you will. Do a work in my heart. Lord, I pray that that will happen today. And I'll be glad to see it happen, and I'll give you the praise and the glory, Lord. It's not me. It's all you. And I thank you for my Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless. I'm, I'm glad you're here this morning. Amen. We're going we're gonna to read this morning. Our text this morning is from chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 5 to verse 12. But I'm going to back up and read verses 1 through 4 that we touched on last week just to set our position in this chapter so that we, we don't just try to pick up these pieces separate from what we've talked about before. And I think you know we're talking about the law versus grace. We're talking about uh, salvation by works, which is not possible, versus salvation by grace. Unless you can keep all the law, it's not possible. Unless you're perfect like Jesus, it's not possible. And so only one person has ever been able to keep the law, and he did it for us. Isn't that something? The fact that he did it, but he did it for me and you, and he paid it. And all we got to do is, is accept that his payment pleased the Father and was enough. And, and accept that payment for ourselves and believe in him and everything that he's done and his righteousness and his power and his glory, all those things, that he gives that to us and let that be a part of us and lets us live in him. But I'm going to get into the message. All right, you ready? Verse, verse, let's begin in verse 1 and let's read down through, through verse 4 before we begin into our message. Paul said to the Galatians there, the Christians in Galatia, and, and I guess to some he wasn't sure of whether they were Christians or not, he told them to stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So he's telling them not to go back to the law. They never were in the law, but he's telling them not to turn to the law. All right? He said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And again, we covered that last week. He's simply saying, if you turn to the law as your means of salvation, then you don't need Jesus because he, he, 
You can't mix Jesus with the law and come out with anything that will save anybody. You can't mix grace and works and come out with anything that will save anybody. So he's saying to them, if you're trusting the law, Christ ain't going to do you any good. For I testify again to everyone, every man that is circumcised, and he's not, again, he's not saying if you were circumcised as a baby and then had no choice in the matter. He's saying if you did it to be under the law, to get in line with the Jewish law. He said, I testify if you're circumcised, he is a debtor to do the whole law. If you're going to set out to keep the law, you've got to keep it all. Don't keep part of it because it won't do you any good. You've got to keep it all. He said, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. If you don't want Jesus anymore to be your Savior, if you don't want Jesus Christ, his blood to wash your sins away, if you think somehow you can do it yourself, if you think somehow that you're going to keep the law and please God, then grace ain't going to touch you. You can't have it both ways. What do you believe in? That's really what it comes down to. So the answer to that is what we're looking at this morning. All right? And the answer to all that is faith, plain and simple. The answer is faith. Galatians 5, verse 5 through 12, beginning in verse 5 and 6 here, he says, for though, for, I'm sorry, for we through the Spirit, for we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So let's take that and let's look at what he just said, all right? All right, first of all, that, that two-letter word, that second word is important, that we. Okay? We. We means I, Paul. And the other believers here are examples to you of what it means to be saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Well, what is this hope we're waiting for? It's the hope of righteousness. Could you come up with your own righteousness? No, I couldn't either. It's the hope of, what is this hope of righteousness? It's the hope. That we that, that it's the hope that'll allow us to stand in the presence of God in heaven someday. That's the hope we're talking about. Listen, we're, we're, it's called the hope of Christians because it's the main object of our hope. I hope to be clothed in His righteousness in the presence of my heavenly Father, not having my own righteousness, which is according to the law, but having the righteousness of Christ. That's what I. That's my hope, Amen. And it's not based on me. It's, it, it's based on Jesus. It's what it's what we as believers desire above everything else. And our hopes are founded. Listen to me. Not in anything we've done. Not in not in this church. Not in some hope of a, a piece of paper and a cabinet in there that Brother Byron has filed. Listen, no, it has nothing to do with a baptism certificate. It has nothing to do with whether anybody remembers where you remember. It has to do with what happened between you and Jesus Christ at some point in your life when you realized that you fell short of everything and that you had no hope of going to heaven unless God made a way for you to get there and you understood that he had provided that way in his son, Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and that's what that's what settles it all. It's not got anything to do with you. You don't have hope in anything else. That's the only thing that we have hope in. Our hopes are founded there, not on us, but on Jesus Christ. 
And what does that hope do for us? It gives us joy. It brings it brings joy and happiness in our life. Why? Because we know we're going to heaven when we die. And how do we get this joy and this happiness? We get it by trusting our Savior. It's as simple as that. By by me not trying to to uh, to please God in my flesh, by me not trying to please God by my works that I do and saying, God, see that I do enough to make you happy? No, it's not that. God God wants me to trust and believe and obey His Son. He wants me to trust him and believe on him as my Savior. And then once I do that, he wants me to obey his commandments and follow him. That's what God wants me to do. He wants me to follow him because I'm saved, not follow him to get saved. Amen? I can't do anything but believe. Receive it by faith. Believe. It's salvation by grace through faith. I can't find it and dig it up and grab a hold of it. He gives it to me. It ain't something tangible I can put my hands on. It's spiritual. We get it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the words of the hymn writer Edward Moat, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We we hope for this joy. We hope for this. We hope for this hope of righteousness. And how do we hope for it? What do we do? How do we wait for it? The Bible tells us we wait through the Spirit. We wait through the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 through 4, listen to it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's those that are saved. Who walk, that means live their life, not after the flesh. In other words, I'm not getting up doing everything my way, but after the Spirit. I'm getting up my day trying to live to please the Lord Jesus Christ because I love him. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What is that law of Spirit of life in Christ? That means what he's saying is, since I've come to Christ, I have life in Christ Jesus. And that has made me free from the law of sin and death. So because Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death and he's imparted to me the spirit of life, now I have hope of righteousness. Amen? For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, nobody could do it. Nobody could keep it. Only God could do it. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He wasn't sinful, but he looked like us. Amen. He walked on the same earth and a pair of feet like we have. He had all the temptations of life come in him, but he did it all without sin. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He sent him for sin. He sent as a sacrifice. He condemned sin in the flesh by dying and paying for it. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So how do you wait for the Spirit? You walk in the Spirit. I worry about people who don't like church. I do. I worry about people who say they're saved and don't like church. Because, again, we're walking in the in the Spirit... And we're hoping, we're hoping for the righteousness of God, okay? We're hoping, we're looking forward to that. If we're walking in the Spirit, if we're spending time with the Spirit of God, 
Don't we want to spend time with God's people? Don't we want to spend time in God's house? Don't we want to spend time in God's word? If we're if we're walking in the spirit of God, it only makes sense not to distance yourself from the things of God if you have God in you. You would be drawn to the things of God. It all makes you question whether or not you have God living in you if you don't have a desire for the things of God. Those walking in the Spirit wait for the righteousness by faith. They're not trying to earn it by, by performing good works, that's for sure. That's how they, they don't wait for the they don't wait for the hope of righteousness by trying to do it themselves. No. They they're they're just trying to walk in the Spirit of God and, and believe the Lord Jesus Christ and obey him as they go. And, and by the way, don't don't misunderstand me on something. Nobody's against you doing good works. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any good works. I'm not saying, hey, don't don't worry about doing any good works or anything. That that's not what I'm saying at all. Everybody that's saved by grace through faith in Christ should do good works. Because because you are his. Not in order to be his. It's because you're Christ and because he works through you and in you. It's his power. It's not yours. It's his motivation. Look, on our best day without Jesus, we're we're just lousy. On our best day. You get up, try to live your life without God, you'll be selfish. You'll be cantankerous. You'll be bristly and grisly. But if you're walking in the Lord, if you're walking with Jesus, if you're spending time in prayer, if you've been in the Scriptures, if you've been meditating on what God's doing and how real he is in your life, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time not being nice to people. You're going to have a hard time being ugly with people if you're walking with Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus, it becomes natural to want to do something supernatural. It becomes natural to want to be a blessing to somebody else. It becomes natural to want to fill a need. When you're walking with God, but when you get in your flesh, you want everybody to leave you alone. Get out of your face. Get away from me. It's night and day. So what's God saying? God's saying when you get up, you get up in God's world, you belong to him, get up and live for him. Live for him because you're saved, not to try to get saved. Or to try to stay saved. You can't keep yourself saved. Let me just say that for the record. You cannot keep yourself saved. You're kept. I had a friend of mine, we we got a cup of coffee the other day, and he, he goes to a different church, and he was, he was wrestling with that that idea of eternal security. And I just said to him, I said, Brother, you, you couldn't save yourself, could you? He said, No. So, well, then how in the world are you going to keep yourself saved? He said, Good point. It was like, poof, light went on. I was, I was thinking, Why didn't your preacher tell you that? But anyway, I digress. Anyway. But uh, he tells us to wait. Amen. We're to wait. And the word the word wait speaks of an attitude of yearning here. Again, let's look back at our at our at our verse of scripture. We through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And there's a yearning in us. I want I'm, I'm ready for Jesus to come. I don't know about you. I'm ready for the Lord to return. I'm ready for heaven. I don't think this world has anything down here that I need to stay for. I just soon go on home to, to glory. I'll be honest with you, I truly would. I'm not saying I want to die today, but I'm saying if God called me home, I, would, I listen. I'd rejoice on heaven. Sure, I wouldn't. I wouldn't boohoo. Amen. I'd be thankful to be with the Lord. But so there's a yearning in every Christian to go home because again, like we say, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. It doesn't feel like home here. 
because there's so much evil here. There's so much wickedness here. There's so much destruction. There's so much perversion. I don't feel at home. I can't feel at home here. And so I'm yearning, and there's an eager expectation in me for a land beyond this world where everything is perfect and just. I have a desire to be righteous. I have a desire to not sin. I hate to sin. It grieves me when I sin. When I realize I failed God again, I just, I'm disgusted with myself. And it's just like I come like a whoop dog with my tail between my legs, and I come up to God's throne and I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't, I hate myself. I hate the way I am. I don't know why. I keep falling down. I keep doing the same stupid thing. Oh, God, have mercy on me. And I mean, I feel so worthless when I do it, but he puts his hand on this. Blood's covered. You forgive Stand up. Be encouraged. I love you. Always. I mean, that's the kind of God we serve. He paid for it. He took the penalty. Amen? And so because of that, I, I can't wait to see his face. I can't wait to be next to him. I can't wait to look into his eyes. I can't wait to put my finger in the nail print and touch his side. I can't wait to see him face to face. This word wait, it, it refers it, it, it refers to the intense desire for that righteousness, which will be constantly produced in the life of the believer by the Holy Spirit. That righteousness will be produced, not by you, but by God himself in his spirit as you yield to God. When you relinquish control, God takes that control. When you say, Lord, it's, it's, I can't do anything about this. Here, you're going to have to handle it. You're putting things that you can't deal with in God's hands and letting God have those things. And the more you put in God's hands, the more God is in charge of your life. And the more God is in charge of your life, the more God directs your life. The more God directs your life, the more you follow God. The more you follow God, the more righteousness of God will be in your life and the more God's blessing will be in your life. God basically is saying, be still and know that I'm God. That's what he's basically saying. Quit trying to do something you can't do and let me handle it. Let me show you who I am. Paul said, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So if you're, if you're a child of God, if you're a believer walking in the Spirit, Know that being circumcised or being uncircumcised doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change anything. And and I and I don't think anybody in here is in any danger of running out and getting circumcised because they want to be under the law. But I just want to say it again because it's so important that we realize that, again, turning to works is never going to help. Turning to works will never help. Nothing we could ever do or ever say would ever help us to be accepted with God. It's only a sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that will do it. Nothing else. You say, well, I got faith. Well, that's great. I'm glad you got faith. But that faith must be working by love. Amen. You see that right there in the Scriptures? For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You say, well, I believe. I believe. I will does it drive you to do anything? Does it move you at all? Does it does it urge you on? If your faith doesn't work, it ain't real faith. Faith has action to it. Faith won't just sit there. Faith can't sit there. 
Faith recognizes the power of Almighty God. Faith realizes what God can do in a life. Faith says, hey, I'm going to trust you, God, because you promised me, and I know you don't lie. So therefore, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and walk with you. Because again, we talked in Sunday school, didn't we? We talked about that, 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 that rocky place where, you know, you have to depend on God. You know, again... I talked about that rock climber who was up on top of that rock face. You know, you're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to trust him. You're gonna to have to trust him. I don't know where I'm going with that rock face. Never mind. Let's let's move on. <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. Anyway, uh, but again, faith. Again, faith. If it's real, it's it's a real working faith. And uh, it works because of love. That's why faith. Is, that's why faith has power. That's what faith faith reacts to is is love. It works because of love. Love to God and love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we're, that's what the Bible tells us. You know, if, if we know God, we're gonna have, we're gonna love the brethren. That's what the Bible says. We're gonna love God and we'll love the brethren. Why? Because the first great the first commandment. Is love love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself, which is the Bible says is it, it says in so many words that it is identical to the first commandment. So you can't you can't truly love your neighbor if you don't truly love God, and you can't truly love God if you don't love your neighbor. So faith is an action. Amen. <laughs> faith faith must work through love. But faith and love were absent in the words and the actions of these legalists who were trying to get these Galatian Christians to go back under the law. There was no love in what they were doing, and there was no faith in what they were doing. They were believing in their own works. They were believing in their own deeds. You know, Herod had faith. He had faith that John the Baptist was a true prophet. He really believed that. But there was no faith working through love. And so that's why he had John the Baptist murdered, because there was no love associated with his faith. You can believe something and it not motivate you. But real faith, faith that God gives, motivates you to love. It works by love. Real faith, saving faith, will work through love. And then verse 7 and 8, Paul said, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that called you. So he remembered how good they did at the start. I mean, they they had him excited. He, he thought they were going to turn out to be good churches and good believers, and 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 never the work was going to grow and everything. But you know what? It's not enough just to start out well, is it? You can start out well and then crash. And and they didn't do very well. They were still in danger of falling from grace. Why? Because they had not truly, fully put their faith in Christ. And I and I know and, and I, I this this passage this portion it, it bothers me because there's a tendency to some people to say, well, that just says you lose your salvation. Again, I'm convinced that if you ever get settled on salvation in Christ, you won't ever move from that. Amen. I mean, I'm rooted and grounded in him. There's no way. You couldn't pull me out with all the crowbars in the world. I ain't moving. I know where my salvation rests. But if somebody ain't real sure yet, they can be swayed. 
That's why the singer said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's in him. But Paul asked him, he said, who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? You've changed. Your, 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 your thinking's changed. Your belief has changed. And he knew that this false teaching it came from a person. He said, who hindered you? But he also knew it didn't come from Jesus. He said, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. So I know Jesus didn't lead you to this point. So you have turned from Jesus. That's what he's saying. Jesus never told you this. I didn't preach this to you. You didn't get this from the word of God. So you have left the Lord Jesus Christ to follow something else. That's what he's proven to them. At the root of it all, they were leaving Jesus to pursue the false, empty teachings of a man. And in this case, it's legalism. Again, getting back under the law. And he said, who did hinder you? That word hindered. That word hindered, we've seen that word before. It, it, it's derived from military operations. We, we saw this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 a long time ago when Paul had left there and come, come on over somewhere else. I can't remember exactly where he's at right now. But he said, but Satan hindered us. They would, we would have come to you, but Satan hindered us. You remember that? Okay. It's the same word there. It's the same significance. And it means that the road is tore up between here and there. Satan has messed it all up where we can't get to you. So he's saying, he's saying we're, he said, who hindered you? Who tore your road up where you can't go forward with Christ? Somebody's come through there and busted up the terrain where you can't pass. Who did that to you? Again, it's, it's the opposite of clearing you a path. It's tearing you up where you ain't got a path. And, and they were doing great until somebody come, come through there and tore the road up. And he says in verse 9, he says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And he's driving home a warning here. The corrupting influence of legalism. This idea of you working your way there. And, and other ideas that, that, that cast a shadow or diminish the saving power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're like you adding leaven to a lump of dough. It swells up. It puffs up. The little bit that you put in there will soon corrupt the whole lump. You can't have unleavened bread and have any yeast in it because it's going to rise. You can't stop the rise. It's going to happen. So in, in the Jewish way of thought, leaven almost always stood for an evil influence. And Paul is saying that this legalistic commitment that they're making now, it may be just a small thing, but it's so dangerous it can mess up everything. You don't understand what you're getting yourself into. You think this is harmless, but this is destructive. This is completely destructive. Salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ is the fundamental doctrine of Christianity. There ain't anything more important or more fundamental to Christianity than salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. There is zero tolerance policy toward compromise. If you compromise on that, you ain't saved. If you compromise on that, you're going to bust hell wide open and be there forever. There ain't no other way. You're either solely believing on Christ or you're solely lost. 
I mean, listen, if I'm making some dough and I want another 11, don't you get a speck of 11 in my dough. Hey, don't get a drop, don't you get a speck or a drop of poison in my water supply, whatever I'm drinking. I don't, if you get, if you get 11 in dough, you've burnt the dough. If you get, listen, if you get poison in the water, you've burnt the water supply. Don't get, don't put one speck of, don't you make one spark in my hay barn. You know, that'll burn that sucker down. Hey, you say, it's just one spark. That's all it takes. It's just one drop. That's all it takes. It's just a little bit of living. It's just a little sin. That's all it takes. And not one bit of me helping with my salvation. I don't want one speck of me involved. I will mess it up. You will mess it up. We don't have a plan. God has a plan. Let's stay out of the plan. Just accept the plan. Paul said, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Paul's leaving him on a positive note. He's trying to here. So he's expressing his confidence in the Galatians. And it really wasn't, it really wasn't confidence in them because people let you down. It was confidence in the Lord that if you're his, God's going to keep you. If you belong, if you truly his, God's got you. He won't lose you. Don't worry about that. But he was equally confident that not only that the Lord had those who truly believed on him, but he was also equally confident that, that the Lord's going to judge those who are trying to lead them astray and lead them away from Jesus. He said, he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. I tell you right now, I, I thank God I'm not a preacher of false doctrine. I, it would terrify me to wake up and realize one day that I was preaching false doctrine. The Bible says very clearly in Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7, Jesus gives a fierce warning against those who would lead somebody astray from the teaching of the Word of God. Listen to what he says. This is the Lord Jesus. He said, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones who, that believe in me. And I know a lot of people say, oh, that's talking about pedophiles and stuff. That's not talking about, I mean, I'm sure God feels the very same way about pedophiles. I'm sure God believes that they ought to be in hell with their back broke. But, that, but that's not what he's referring to here. He's saying they offend one of these little ones. That means they turn them away. So where somebody who just come to know Christ, somebody said, oh, you don't need him. He'll do you no good. You need this. And they say, well, I don't need Jesus. And they walk away from the Lord. They turn away from what would have been a, a solid faith in Christ, and now they're believing in the law. And he said, if you do that to them, it was better for him than a millstone. You say, what's a millstone? That's a huge rock that was put in, a, in the mill. It was, it was on this big old post, and it was, and, it, and they raise it up somehow or other. They put corn underneath it, and they lower it down on this other rock, and then they tie this donkey to, to this, to this uh, uh, post that was, that was tied to the stone, and that donkey would turn in a circle. And as he would, he turned that millstone that would grind their, grind their grain into flour. It was huge, probably weighed a ton. God says, that old big, humongous stone there, you'd be better off to have that thing tied to your neck and thrown in the bottom of the sea to mess with one of my little ones. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. God's got something waiting on that fellow, and it ain't going to be pretty. Verse 12. Oh, by the way, let me just let me, let me finish my thought there. 
it don't make no difference who that person is. Because you remember, God ain't no respecter of persons. And so it, it may be somebody that everybody in the community loves. He may be some teacher teaching false doctrine who's just a great guy, does all kinds of wonderful moral things, and just the biggest help, coaches basketball, works with the JCs, and, and helps with all kinds of things. And everybody in the community thinks he's the greatest person in the world, but they're, if they're perverting the gospel, then they're guilty. And, and, and listen, all the titles and degrees and reputations won't shield them from Almighty God and His wrath if they lead people straight. It's that important to God. Verse eleven, Paul said, "And I, brethren, if I yet preach, if I preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased." So he said, "I don't, I don't preach that stuff anymore." There was a time when Paul believed that. There was a time when Paul believed that you had to live by the law. There was a time when he persecuted Christians, when he believed it wholeheartedly. But he don't believe that anymore. Matter of fact, he's persecuted by a legalist, and that's evidence enough. They, they, instead of him running with them, they turned on him. Now he's, a, he's, he's bearing the offense of the cross. No, I don't believe you can work your way to heaven. I believe Jesus did it all for me. And because of that, they hate his guts. And I can tell you that the fact that I believe and you believe and the fact that we're if we've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved eternally, they are people in other denominations of town that hate your guts and mind for believing that. They say we're fools. They say we're the biggest dummies in the world. Can't nobody know that, even though God clearly says you can. But they get so mad if you try to tell them that. Why? Because they don't believe the Bible when it comes to that. I think I know the reason, too. They're not fully believing and trusting in Jesus. They think their works have something to do with it. Otherwise, they wouldn't get upset. They'd say, praise God and hallelujah. Amen. That's right. <laughs> so, but somebody might have accused Paul of preaching circumcision, and I can give you a reason why. You remember he had Timothy circumcised. Okay? Why did that happen? That don't make sense. Hmm, Paul, that's kind of funny. That way you did that back there. But in Acts 16, 1 through 3, then came he to Derby and Lystra. By the way, that's right there in Galatia. He came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. That's Timothy, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So he was mixed. He was half Jew and half, and half Gentile. Okay? And the Bible says, which was well reported of by the brethren, which were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him? Paul said, I'd like to take you with me in my ministry journey, in my missionary journeys. And he took and circumcised him. Why? Because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all, knew all that his father was a Greek. So they knew that his daddy was a Greek, so more than likely he grew up being raised as a Gentile and was not circumcised. So Paul was saying, they'll never accept him coming with me if he is not been circumcised because he's half Jew. The Jews will never, and Paul, where Paul go? Paul went to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It was not a religious reason. It was a, I've become all things to all men that I might by any means say so. So Timothy said, hey, it ain't no big deal if I got to go through that if it's going to get other people saved. So it wasn't anything to do with Timothy believing that Jesus wasn't good enough to save him. It wasn't Timothy saying, I don't. I think i got to do this too in order to be saved. It was Timothy saying, I'd like for you to have more doors open to you, so I'll gladly endure this painful surgery in order for us to be able to win more people to Jesus. 
Timothy wasn't as any more lost than I am or you are because we got circumcised when we were kids, babies. Timothy wasn't no, it wasn't, it was no different, the procedure, okay? But the, the, the fact is, it's the why behind it. He didn't have Timothy circumcised so he could be saved or be more saved. You can't be more saved. He did it so Timothy could move freely and evangelize amongst Jewish people. Like I said, legalism can't handle the offense of the cross. The whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was to say you can't save yourself. I have to do it for you. I have to die in your place or you ain't got no hope at all. And if we trust in legalism, if we believe that we can, in part, maybe, save ourselves, or that we can help God save us. That's what we're doing if we trust in legalism. We're saying, you know, I gotta help him somehow. I gotta I gotta contribute to this. No. The cross says Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And this always offends fallen man. It always offends him. The offense of the cross is is really the glory of the cross. And legalism takes that glory away. Legalism destroys that glory. No, that, that again, again, that's why Paul man is offended because he feels like I gotta help him. I gotta do something. I should do something to help God somehow. No, take your hands off of it. Your hands are filthy. Don't touch it. He did everything. It's perfect like it is. And lastly, I'm gonna close with this thought, verse twelve. Paul said, I would that they were even cut off which trouble you. Now, don't, don't miss the, the, the reference there. What have we been talking about all this time? Circumcision. Paul, Paul's got a little snarky answer for it. I've read several different people on this. And, I, and, I, and I've got several different answers on what this means exactly. But I think I know. Some people said, I wish they were even cut off. Which means, which which meant to say, instead of them being circumcised, I wish they'd just take everything where the folks couldn't breed. And I've read other people that said, no, they were saying, what do you do with a piece of foreskin when you circumcise the child? You don't hang on to it. You don't put it in a glass and keep it. You throw it away. And Paul was saying, that's what you need to do with these people. You need to get rid of them. You need to throw them away. But I think it's a little more grave than that. I think he's what Paul's saying is, God, you need to circumcise them around the neck. You need to take them off the planet. You need to get them out of here. I would that they were even cut off. These people are doing nothing but hurting the cause of Christ. He's praying. It's like he's David praying an imprecatory prayer for the death of his enemies. He's praying for the judgment of God upon them. He's, he's asking that they might be cut out of the land of the living by the immediate hand of God. That they might do no more mischief to the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand, Paul didn't hate these men. He didn't say it out of hatred because of who they were. He said it for a concern for the glory of God. He said it for the good of the people who, who had been saved in those churches. And with such a dramatic conclusion to this point, Paul made one thing clear. Legalism ain't no small thing. This is serious business. What does it do? It takes away our liberty and freedom and puts us into bondage is what it does. It makes Jesus and everything he's done for us 
of no profit to us at all. It puts us back under obligation to the whole law, and we can't do that. It violates the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. It, make us, it makes us focus on things that are totally irrelevant. It keeps us from running the race that the Lord Jesus set before us to run, and it's not from the Lord. And a little bit of this stuff will infect the whole church. Yes, sir. I just want to tell you something. I have heard God so many things. You know, it took me three that three to try to get a wood. He's a wood mark, magic. But I do know this. I remember the day I laid on my back on a creeper with another person. encouragement, brother. I met a man years ago. I can't think of his name right now. I to save my life, but he's a, he was a preacher. He was the uh, director of a director of a uh, encampment up in Arkansas. He'd been with Brother Roloff before that through his battles. But this this preacher, he he developed acute meningitis, and it it, it totally wiped his memory. Completely. He was like a newborn baby as a grown man. And he came when he when he when he came he woke up, he said I he said I only knew two things. He said I, I knew I was saved by the blood of Jesus and I knew I was supposed to kiss a girl. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm thankful. You know what? I, I rejoice and I know you rejoice with me and I know if you're saved here this morning you rejoice with me that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. And and we know these things, but aren't we aren't we blessed to know that our that our salvation is through the blood, that it's not through anything that we could have ever done or could ever do, that we are secure in him and there's nothing can change that. Amen. Listen. Legalism tries to ruin that, and people try to push legalism on people in order to take the glory away from Jesus. Praise God. The worst they do, they still ain't never going to be able to take it away. Amen. Hey, listen, the glorious light of the gospel shines brighter and brighter. I heard a message years ago that said, you can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Let the devil do his worst. He ain't never going to do nothing but, but but by trying to shut it down, He's just going to make it shine that much brighter. If you remember, in the early days of Christianity, they tried their best. Nero tried his best. Uh, uh, all All those Roman leaders, they tried their best to shut out, stamp out Christianity 
It was a fire that got started, and all they did was end up spreading the embers all over the world. Amen. You ain't ever going to stop it. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Well, God's good. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. I believe it's 197, if I'm not mistaken. 197, 157. 157. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to, to speak to our hearts and deal with us during this invitation. And listen, if God spoke to you this morning and God wants you to come down to this altar and pray, come to this altar and pray. Don't let nobody, what anybody's doing or what anybody's thinking hinder you in any way. If you need prayer, you need me to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. Whatever your need is this morning, that's what we're here for. We're here to meet with God. We're God working us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, for church. Thank you for us being in your house. Lord God, I just ask you, please, to work in the heart to your people. Father God, please bring us to decisions. And Lord, please guide our lives. And Lord, we'll give you the glory and the praise for all of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 157. Jesus, faith and all. God, I hear
and we're gonna we're gonna get us a big plate full. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless bless the food, bless our afternoon. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Thank you for the time we've had in your house. Thank you for each one who's come. Lord, I pray you bless each home represented. Lord, I pray you you go with us throughout this week. And Lord God, give us wisdom as we deal with this world and the people in it. Lord, give us a heart that wants to serve you. And Lord God, open doors of opportunity and make us aware of those opportunities and be our courage and our strength and our words and, and use us for your honor and glory. Bless the food now. May it nourish our bodies and give us strength. And the rest of the day, Lord, give us a blessed afternoon. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go eat. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.